Does the thought of negotiating the price on a piece of property make you nervous? Do you lack the confidence in real estate deals to negotiate the price when you go to buy something? Well, that's not uncommon in real estate. That's, uh, that's a pretty common thing, especially if you're a new buyer, a new investor. So stick around on this episode of Real Estate Revenue. We're going to talk about that and hopefully make it easier for you. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Estate Revenue. This is your host, Paul Airy, and in this week's episode, we're going to talk about negotiations. How do you negotiate a deal? How do you how do you get through that price negotiation on a piece of property? without freaking out, without getting nervous and uh, just uh, getting scared and running off and, and just uh, throwing up your hands and saying, forget it. This is not for me. Well, everybody goes through that. So don't freak out. Don't be scared. Uh, it's a common thing. It's normal, especially if you're a new investor. And there are some things that you can do to make it easier, to make it better. Uh, some things to remember when you're going into the negotiation process. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure when you were a kid, you probably made some trades here and there. Uh, Pokemon cards, whatever, uh, baseball cards, whatever you had, whatever you were into at that time. Video games, maybe. It's the same thing. You know, that's no different. Uh, it's a little different, but but it's... Uh, uh, the the concept is the same. There are a lot of uh, a lot of things to think about uh, when you go into a negotiation, and it's going to be important to you in the next coming year or two. the The market right now is starting to show some signs of uh, some things starting to shake loose in real estate. Uh, you know, interest rates have climbed up a little bit. Usually, what happens when the interest rates go up, people start to try and get in at the last minute, buy a property, could be a house, could be a commercial property, uh, whatever. They try to get in before the interest rates get too high and they get priced out because they can't afford the payments. So right now people are buying properties they really would never have been able to afford until we had interest rates, uh, residential interest rates anyway, below 3%, which is just insane. And uh, people are buying houses, for example, that uh, normally would have been way out of their pay range, out of their out of their income range, uh, because the payments are so low. And you know the same thing happens with cars uh, when you get uh, car makers uh, building fifty thousand dollar cars, and they had to turn to financing those things for seven or eight years to get the payments down where people could afford them. And, and uh, so now uh, it's no big deal to have a $50,000 car anymore. It used to be uh, a spectacular car for $50,000. And only rich people could afford that. But now everybody has a $50,000 car. I have a $50,000 truck, and it's not anything special. It just costs $50,000. And, uh, you know, I wasn't too happy about it but because, uh, I mean, it's a truck. You know, it's, it's for work. 
in that's uh, 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 but that's a common thing now. Well, when you go to negotiate real estate, when you negotiate real estate, it's a little bit different because you have some third parties involved in the negotiation. It's not always just the buyer and seller. Most of the time, you're going to have at least one agent involved and usually two agents because you've got the listing agent on the property and then you've got your your agent, which uh, is something I highly encourage. Um, If there's not any agents involved, you know, it can be a little simpler uh, when it comes to actually actually deciding on the price with the seller, but uh, it's sure nice to have that agent as a buffer between you and the seller because it takes a lot of the fear out of the, out of the equation. Uh, a lot of people don't want to, they don't like confrontation. They don't want to have a confrontation with the seller. They don't want to have to go back and forth. They're afraid to make the offer, afraid they're going to make the guy mad or insult them. Um, and that's, a legitimate fear. That's something you don't want to do. But if you have an agent involved, you know, you can uh, discuss your ideas on price with the agent. And they're usually going to tell you "Ah, that maybe that's a little too low. You're going to make this guy mad. He's going to go away. He's not going to talk to you anymore. Or they can say, yeah, that's uh, you're too high. You know, maybe you need to lower that a little bit. I think we can get it for less. Now, if you have a good agent, and an ag- the agent should be looking out for your best interests and not his own, um, that's how that's supposed to work. So the problem is the dialogue that goes back and forth between you and your agent and his agent and, his, and the, the seller's agent and the seller uh, sometimes can get a little uh, twisted and a little mixed up and take a little more time than it should. So then the agents are going to put their opinions into the deal. You know, their, uh, your offer goes to the seller's agent. The seller's agent talks to the seller and says, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're offering, uh, 800,000, but I think from the tone of the seller, from the buyer, uh, I think they probably would go to 900 or 950 or what, you know, they're going to give their opinions. They're going to try to help out with the negotiation and get, hope sometimes they want to get the price up. The seller's agent's going to want to get the price up because that's his job. So you've got another layer or two layers in the negotiation process that you have to go through. So that makes it a little difficult, makes it a little, uh, a little more stressful for the buyer and for the seller, and adds a lot of uh, uh, possibility of miscommunication. That happens quite a bit because, you know, let's face it, we're not all good listeners. We're not all excellent listeners. Uh, I know I'm not. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. I don't listen worth crap sometimes. So, uh, well, you know, in real estate agents, you're human. And they're going to have that problem as well. So uh, what do you do about it? Well, you just have to go along and do the best you can. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, necessary to uh, get the seller and the buyer actually talking directly to each other 
Uh, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute and give you an example of how that can help. Uh, but let's first talk about, uh, I want to go over some misconceptions people have about negotiating. How many times have you heard or you've seen, I know you've seen it on television, on TV shows, somebody goes into a negotiation as though they were going into a battle with someone in a war and they're, they're out to kill the other guy and just, you know, do as much damage to them as they can and make themselves come out great. And that's just not how it works. You don't want to go into this thinking you're really going to take this guy to the cleaners and you're going to come out on top. It's not, that's not the way a negotiation needs to be. Not in the real estate business. You have, in real estate, you have repeat sellers and repeat buyers. There are groups of people that uh, are in that business. It's a, it's a community. They buy and sell from each other, and they know each other. They deal with each other all the time. That's why real estate is such a relationship-based business. In this negotiation that you're going to go through, that's part of that building relationship. It's part of the relationship part of this business. And you want to have a good relationship with your buyers and sellers. So first of all, be nice. You don't have to go into a negotiation being a jerk. Be nice. That will get you farther in the purchase of a property than anything else. It's just being nice, being cooperative. And if you're a seller, the same goes for you too. Uh, somebody requests information on the property, documents, whatever, give it to them. You know, give them, the, give them everything you got. Make it easy for them. I sold a property here recently uh, last year, and it was a development that we had started, a retail development. Somebody wanted to buy it from us, and a broker friend of mine brought me an offer. And so, you know, it was a good offer. We said, yeah, we'll sell it for that. And uh, I gave that guy more than what he asked for. He was asking for certain information, you know, and I, I gave him everything, uh, letters of intent. I gave him dirt work records that we had done, excavation records, engineering records, um, our uh, environmental study that we had done um, way before he asked for it. I knew he was going to ask for those things, but I just gave it all to him, plus plus the uh, all the engineering work that we had done on it. Even though he has his own engineer, um, you know, my engineer gave him what he needed to have a starting point. And, uh, you know, surveys, plats, everything, all, all that stuff, just give it to him up front. And, you know, the deal went so smooth, it went so quick, was not a single hitch in it anywhere. Um, and uh, that created this relationship between the two of us. And, and, you know, he's offering to do other deals with me now. He's wanting to partner on some deals. It pays off. It pays to be nice. Ethical behavior is what you're looking for. You want to behave in an ethical manner. Um, that's something that is very often missing in this business. Uh, it shouldn't be, but sometimes it, it kind of gets forgotten. Always try to have highly ethical behavior. So that's the truth about negotiating. The thing to remember, this is what I teach my students, what I teach everybody, what I tell everybody, find out what the other guy wants 
and try to give it to them. And that's going to come up a lot in the next year because you're going to have some people that are having financial problems. Uh, they're going to be needing to get out of their properties. We're going to have uh, real estate. We're in a bubble right now. And they're going to need they're going to need to get their properties sold. There's going to need to be some creative dealings going on, some creative financing. There are so many properties that were so overpriced, so overfinanced, that when all of this hits the fan, uh, and it eventually will, I can't say when, I don't know when, uh, sometime in the next year, it's probably going to happen. Um, you're going to want to be there with cash in your hand and a smile on your face and be eager and willing to help somebody get out of their trouble. Because a lot of these people are going to be in trouble. They're going to be in some serious financial trouble. And if you can help them out of that, you're not only going to get a good deal on your property, they're going to remember you for that. They're going to, they're going to know um, that, uh, that you helped them. They're going to remember that you helped them out of their problem, kept them out of bankruptcy possibly. And, you know, later on they're going to get back on their feet. They're going to get back into the game and uh, you're going to be somebody that they have a relationship with and they're going to come back to you and, and uh, that will benefit you so much down the road. This is a long-term game that you're playing in real estate. It's not get rich quick. It's get rich slow. It is get rich, but it's get rich slow. And, uh, um, you know, you, there are some there is some quick money in it, but overall, over time, the wealthiest people are the ones who can stick it out the longest and uh, acquire the properties and uh, do it in, a, in an ethical way manner so uh just stick to that that one thing find out what the other guy wants and try to give it to him and you never know why they want to sell a property sometimes just ask you know ask them why do you want to sell this and then may say well you know hell i got in some trouble <laughs> i've got i've got uh the bank is breathing down my neck they want to foreclose i got to get this thing sold uh, I need to get this much money out of it. And, you know, then negotiate from there. Don't try to stick it to them. Don't try to get it. Don't try to hurt them, you know. Try to get the best deal for you and the best deal for them. Uh, make a make it work for everybody. And, uh, and you'll both benefit in the long run. Uh, I wanted to give you an example of actually uh, getting one-on-one -on -one contact between the buyer and seller. Sometimes uh, you just don't get done what you need to get done through the agents. It's not necessarily their fault. There's just sometimes there's miscommunication. There's a delay in the uh, offer made from the buyer as it goes through two agents and ends up to the seller. Sometimes you ever play that game in, in school where somebody, the teacher comes and they whisper something in your ear and then you go and whisper it, and it, it to the next person. It goes down the line. And by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's something totally different. Well, things like that can happen in real estate. That's why you always want to do things in writing, by the way. You know, verbal uh, verbal offers are great when it's one-on-one, -on -one, uh, but it's best to always put it in writing, even if it's just an email or a text message. Uh, at least it's in writing. It's in print somewhere, and it's not going to get changed in somebody's mind. Uh, your mind can play tricks on you and think, make you think that you remember something the way it, uh, the way it actually never happened. And uh, 
So do things in writing. Always do that in writing. Even if you tell somebody verbally what the offer is, send them an email and just tell them, hey, I'll tell you what it is now, but I'm going to send you an email email so we have a record of it. And, uh, you know, be sure and send that, uh, forward that email to your seller. Um, so I was involved in a deal as a broker. Uh, this was a large industrial complex. It was a uh, single-user property, but it was huge. It was over 100 acres. Uh, they had over a, a, probably a 30,000-square-foot-plus 30,000-plus 30, square-foot office building, had um, several warehouse buildings, uh, more than 100 acres. I think it was about 110, 115 acres, and uh, highway frontage. I mean, this thing was it was uh, pretty large, and it was a major highway. And the uh, asking price on this was about $17 million dollars. So, you know, we went back back and forth with the, the sellers. I was representing the buyer. The seller had their agent uh, out of Houston. And, um, you know, I was dealing with them. We went back and forth for a long time. And a deal that big is going to take, you know, four to six months to get done. And uh, we went back and forth. And there were some, it was a very complicated deal. And... There were a lot of things going on in that deal. The company was moving out of state, and uh, they had equipment left behind that they were going to try and sell off, have an auction, and, you know, the it was messing with the closing dates and all this. So um, finally, the lawyers, you know, they were involved in it. And that's sometimes, I love to tell people, get a lawyer, but I also love to tell people, Tell a lawyer to shut up and get out of the way because sometimes these attorneys, they're great at keeping you out of trouble, but they can be the biggest deal killers in real estate. They will string a deal along so, so long and uh, waste so much time that the deal can fall apart just because they're not, they're not uh, keeping up with what's going up there. I shouldn't say they're not keeping up with what's going on. What they're doing is they're just prolonging it and nitpicking it to death. And that's what was going on with that deal. The attorneys were just going back and forth with each other. Each side had an attorney. Each side had a real estate broker. It was ridiculous. And finally, we just said, hey, let's just get the buyer and seller together without us, without the lawyers, you know, without the agents. Let them talk. And that's what we did. And you know what? They hammered out the deal in a day, got it done. Uh, you know, we had negotiated this down to like $10 million. And um, it was uh, it was all but a done deal except for the attorneys wouldn't get out of the way. But once we got the buyer and seller together to talk, everything was smooth. Went, went uh, they worked out all the little details. Um, the, the lawyers weren't there to say, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. And, you know, the the buyer finally said, or the seller finally said, yeah, we can do it. And the buyer said, yes, we can do it. It got done. So that illustrates sometimes how it's uh, beneficial to get the buyer and seller together without the agents. Uh, it's great to have them there to represent them and to be the buffer. Uh, it, it makes it... Uh, 
it makes the buyer and the seller a little braver because they don't have to deal with each other. They don't, um, they don't, uh, sometimes they don't, you know, aren't necessarily going to be somebody that's going to like each other. They're not necessarily going to, going to get along. Uh, it's good to have the agents there to be the buffer between them, but they also can't let the agents get in the way of the deal. So uh, just remember that when you're negotiating, you can always, at some point, if you're having a difficulty, if you're stuck on something, you can always just say, hey, can we get together with the seller and just me and him talk and we'll get this worked out? Especially if you're being reasonable and willing to, uh, to bend a little bit and do some things to help the deal get done. So that's about it for this. Uh, don't be afraid of negotiations. Don't be afraid of that. Uh, one thing to remember, don't let the price scare you off. The price of a property shouldn't matter as far it shouldn't make you nervous about making the deal um, other than unless you're getting in over your head. Uh, you don't want to get in over your head, don't want to get overextended. But uh, some people get scared when they hit their first million-dollar deal. And it's understandable, but i got to tell you, there's only one difference. The difference between a $100,000 deal and a million-dollar deal is zero. One zero. And that's the one zero in the price. That's the only difference. The contracts are the same. The negotiating process is the same. The whole purchasing process is the same. The closing process is the same. None of that stuff changes. It's just the price. So don't let the price scare you off. Don't let that make you nervous. Just act the same as you would if it was a $100,000 deal or even a $10,000 deal if there even is such a thing anymore. I'm sure there is somewhere. Um, Just... uh, Look past that. Just remember that. The difference is a zero, and that's it. So with that, uh, that's the end of this episode. Um, We'll be back next week with another episode of Real Estate Revenue, and I hope to see you then. And thank everybody for coming to listen to this uh, when you do. Uh, I really appreciate the listeners. Thanks a lot. See you next week.